1: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable I'm your host Kevin DeVries And as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast You can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable Or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com Alright now we have another club update This time we're talking about Hull With uh, Peter of HCAFC TigerLink Peter, we've been asking everybody what their deadline days were like Most people saying uh, boring to just above boring Hull obviously had a very exciting day
2: yeah uh, boring certainly isn't a word I'd use. Uh, first of all, it was obviously nice to get the the entrance door opened a few times because we were in a position, despite having played very well in three games with a very small squad, we were desperate to get numbers in. I suppose the the concern overall was to make sure we weren't in a position where we we made desperate signings. In terms of just getting anyone in to make up the numbers, even though we didn't need, need more more numbers, but overall, I would say I was happy with what's with what happened and the the, the very exciting times in the last few hours before the end of the deadline. Just before I go through them chronologically, uh, just to really put it in context to people who are listening and maybe don't know that much about Hull City. For 104 years, we didn't get in the top tier, and in the last eight years, we've had uh, a tremendous time, the last eight to 12 years. Um, Eight years, sorry. Uh, So it's a strange situation at the club. In the last eight years, we've had three promotions to the Premier League. We've had a flirtation with Europe, and we've been to an FA Cup final. So this is a golden era for the club and and it's way above anything we've achieved before in those 100 years prior to this. And with that comes a certain amount of raised expectations. So we have a lot of younger fans and by younger I'll define as say 25 and under um, who have only known success and suddenly think that we're going to be jettisoned to become almost overnight a Tottenham or a Manchester City or a Manchester United or something like that. And that simply isn't going to happen. There's been a certain amount of criticism of our lack of big spending, but overall I'm happy because I think we have to be focused and realistic about our acquisitions. We've started well, we've got a good team spirit, a great togetherness through Mike Phelan. And I don't think it would have worked to bring in lots of big names, big egos. I think that might have disrupted the, the dressing room. So just as a global thing about the transfer deadline day, I'm reasonably happy that we've brought in people who will fit into the the dressing room and will fit in on the pitch as well. Just taking you through them, a uh, slight surprise was the arrival of... Uh, Marshall David Marshall, from uh, Cardiff City, because we already had two or three goalkeepers um, Eldon Yakoppovit had excelled himself in recent times, and Alan McGregor is our number one though injured and it may be i've not really got any confirmation about this, but it may be that the injury to Alan McGregor is more serious, and that he will be out for a considerable time, so you know we've focused on getting a a top-class goalkeeper in, that's our number one. Now, that's a bit tough on Aldin Jakubovic, but, you know, such is the the way of things in the Premier League. And I'm quite happy that he, as a Scottish international, again, I quite like him. I've seen him play several times uh, and for Scotland, and I think he's a decent acquisition. I think he'll fit into the team very well. Um, So, very happy about that. The second, if I can take the two Manchester Manchester United lads together, yeah. uh, James Weir and uh, Will Keane. There, it's a classic situation of clearly these are young and very talented Manchester United players, well known to Mike Phelan because of his previous role uh, with Manchester United. They are currently, because of the... The, the sort of new broom uh, at Old Trafford, surplus re- re- requirements. And I'm, I'm reasonably content with them, although Will Keane had a fairly ordinary loan spell at Preston with I, just, with, I think, one goal, I think. And James Weir is sort of tried and untested, obviously, at Premier League level. So I think there we have two youngsters with potential. But I think what he's going for there is potential, enthusiasm, fresh young legs to complement the rest of the side. And I think that's what he specifically looked for there. And to be fair, Weir in particular, I think, has a certain amount of quality, which is perhaps Premier League quality, perhaps falls slightly short of Manchester United Premier League quality just at the moment. So those two together, pretty happy with them. Pretty happy with you know the the, the money we've paid, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them play. Now whether they all get into the side that easily isn't quite clear, but very very pleased to have two young players because we don't have a great number of young players coming up through our own academy. So in a way we've pinched some of Manchester United better ones, which is which is fair enough. Um, If I take next, um, (coughs) Diamercy, I think his name is, Diomersi M. McCarney, who um, has some Premier League experience at Norwich. Mm. I thought
1: this this was a very good signing and a very good backup for Abel Hernandez. I I continue to contend that if Norwich had played him up front every match instead of Cameron Jerome, they would have been safe.
2: Yeah, I'm quite pleased with this one as well, because one thing that Hernandez has needed, I suspect begged for, is a sizeable physical presence up front alongside him. And I think Mike Fieland will play a more attacking game than perhaps Steve Bruce did. This is assuming that Mike Fieland keeps the job. And if he does so, I think I could see M. Carney playing alongside Hernandez when we chose to play two up front. And I think one person who will be very happy about that signing is uh, Hernandez himself because he was often isolated in his brief experience with us in the Premier League before. Now, I remember when he was with Norwich City, he got a mixed reaction, I would say, from Norwich fans, but he got a few goals, and I think he's got a few goals more recently with uh, Dino Mokiev. So, again, I'm I'm reasonably happy with that signing. You know, we, we'll, we'll see, but I could see he, him getting quite a bit of game time. Uh So he's on loan for the season, happy with that, decent acquisition. Yeah, you know, uh, at least he's had a taste of the Premier League and we hope he's a player slightly on the up. Uh, Now then, if I move next to, um, I think, Marcus Henriksen, who, as we discussed previously before we started the podcast, uh, Uh the name was sort of floating around for a few days even a week or so before the transfer deadline but it was also in various people's blogs as a there's nothing in that as well as being in many people's blogs as this is someone we've made a lot of inquiries about so there was a big question mark over whether it was something that was actually happening and whether it was viable and it did come late in the day Um, but all the reports I've received, and the stuff I've read on social media and the factual stuff is very encouraging. He's well regarded as quite a flexible player, can play in a few positions, likely to provide a few assists, maybe get a few goals. And of course, he plays at international level uh, for Norway with Adama Diamande, who we already have, which I think is always a good thing, because Diamande has started the season very well. And he's a player on the upgrade. We're still to see whether he's a Premier League player, really, but he's certainly improving. So I think with his fellow Norwegian alongside him and perhaps playing with him, I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah. So very happy with that one.
1: Yeah, Henrikson obviously very highly touted in the Divisi. and you mentioned the goals and assists. He had twelve goals, six assists last season. Can play anywhere really in that midfield. I, I I think that this is going to be one of those kind of steals of the of the off season for sure.
2: Yeah, and I think he won the didn't he win the cup with them last season? I believe oh, so. Ozed, yeah, I may well have done. Yeah, um, so pretty happy with that. I don't know what age he is. Any idea what age he is? Uh yeah, he's twenty four. Yeah, so he's, again, we've gone for one or two youngsters here, which I'm very pleased about. So, um, yeah, very, very positive signing, that one. Probably the one I'm I'm happiest about.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.
2: Now let's move on to Ryan Mason. <laughs> oh, I know you have an interest in being a, a Tottenham man. Yep, seems appropriate. Um, Now, Ryan Mason's name has been uh, sort of circulating on all things Hull City more or less since we got promoted back in late May with the win over Sheffield Wednesday. Probably not that long ago, but not long afterwards, if you see what I mean. I think it was probably June or July that his name was first mentioned. Maybe that's more because of his known availability than Hull City showing an interest. And I was always fairly encouraged by it because, again, he's young, he's got an England cap and seemed to be fairly well regarded in that it wasn't that he particularly played badly for Tottenham. They were just, it was just so competitive and he sort of got pushed out and squeezed out and forgotten about a little bit. I suppose the only negative about it is that I understand he's, been, he's had sort of seven or eight loan spells at various clubs. Uh, and perhaps hasn't torn up any trees in terms of his performances. But I think from his point of view, he's he's at an age where he's clearly got a little bit of class, and it, there's a touch of now or never in mm-hmm. terms of if he wants to establish himself at the top level and be a very good footballer. And a whole City is arguably the right level for him, because he's a Premier League player again, but perhaps not a top six Premier League player at the moment. Now, I'm optimistic that if we play him enough and, you know, he, he develops enough, he could he could actually develop into a top class Premier League player. So, you know, I, I don't see this as accepting somebody who's gone as far as they can. I think he has potential to improve. And I think he'll add something. Plus, of course, he will undoubtedly know Michael Dawson, Tom Huddleston and Jake Livermore. <laughs> so we do have a little, uh, a little collection of Spurs players gathering there. Uh, you know, w- which is, which is really very encouraging. Um, it's, a, it's in terms of what we paid for him, we paid twelve and a half million. Now, I think he's overpriced, as was Chadley, who was also sold by Tottenham. Mm. But realistically, if Little Hull City, if I can call them that, want to get reasonable quality players, sometimes they will have to pay over the odds. Plus, I think in the current transfer window, there was a certain amount of... Well, I, I think people did pay slightly inflated prices relative to ability it's yeah. always rather difficult to to sort of quantify that but for whatever reason i felt that you know prices were a bit high yeah i uh, think
1: i think for you guys if you look at henriksen as your 12.5 million signing and mason is alone your window would look even better
2: Yeah, I would would agree with that. I I would totally buy that. Um, The point is with Henriksen, as I understand it with him, he's on loan with a view to a permanent move in January. Interesting. I think that's the way in which the deal is structured, which is a little strange to me. Uh, And again, I've been trying to dig into that. But since the transfer deadline, there hasn't been a great deal of that sort of information readily available. For example, I'm still trying to find out we did just miss out on a, quote, Premier League striker just before the final deadline. And I don't know who that was. Uh, I haven't even heard many rumors about who it might have been. So if anyone could throw in any information to me in that respect, I'd be very grateful to hear from them. <laughs> but uh, So it could have been a magnificent seven. But overall, just reflecting again, uh Yeah, we didn't spend huge money, but to remind people again, we are about to be taken over by new Chinese investors, but we are still technically owned by the Alam family. The due diligence and Premier League checking is going on at the moment. So we are going through the takeover. And I think that probably did place some financial constraints on how we operate at the moment. So how I see it is that we've made some sensible buys, some buys that will fit into the the sort of team we have at the moment and the, the philosophy which Mike Phelan has sort of encouraged um, and led in terms of hard work, team spirit, fight, etc. But I would expect if things went wrong between now and Christmas I would hope and expect that our new Chinese owners would have a very large credit card available come January, and we might make some sizable bids and perhaps acquire a couple of players in January for very large money. I think that's the sort of tactical approach to our purchases.
1: Yeah, do you think that uh, seeing this many players signed at the end might be kind of the sign of the new owners having some say, or do you think that this is the last remnant of the Alam tenure?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question and a very difficult one. Uh, I think it's more, if I'm honest, I don't think the Alam family have any interest whatsoever in the players and the future of the football club. Their interest is in the money and said previously on this podcast they're very obsessed with their own self-image pride etc they'll want to sort out the financial side of it from a business point of view but the main thing is they won't want to lose face so looking forward I would have expected a little bit of input from the new owners but largely the player decisions to have been made by Mike Phelan and his staff and the money decisions to have been agreed jointly perhaps between the, the current and new owners with an arrangement in place in terms of the cash flow and the actual payment for the people who have arrived. That's how I see it. Uh, I mean more may become clear in the next week or so when we expect the, the formal takeover to take place.
1: Interesting. All right, well, with all of these deals done, uh, incomings mostly, um, (laughs) one outgoing with uh, Mo Diame, I I suppose we should talk about him. Was that that a surprise, his departure for Newcastle? Uh,
2: No, it wasn't a surprise, because when we reached the end of last season and we were successful at Wembley, again, it's hard to actually get over this combination of joy and horror in that there were things happening behind the scene with the club, with the Alain family, which were basically completely out of order and very worrying. Whilst at the same time, remarkably, we were performing on the pitch in the playoffs, got to Wembley and got ourselves in the Premier League. And it was clear from the sort of things Steve Bruce said on the day at Wembley that his future was, in itself, uncertain at Hull City and I think that did transmit to the players and as we were in May and June and June, I think we, we, we were in a bit of a mess to be honest uh, and Steve Bruce I think did his best to stick around and find a way in which he could operate but eventually had to bail out and I don't blame him. Now I think for a time there was uncertainty amongst all the staff and the players. And if players wanted to leave, there was a real opportunity to do so at that time. And Modi Army chose Newcastle slightly surprised that he went to the Championship. Every respect to Newcastle, it's a huge club, etc. But I would have thought that he would have wanted just to remain in, in the Premier League because he actually came to us with the single ambition of getting back to the Premier League and showing that he was a Premier League player. And if for any reason Newcastle don't go up this season, I think he's going to be fairly upset about the situation. Mm. However, he did score the winning goal for us at Wembley. So it is a little odd that you have a player who does that for you, gets you to the top tier for only the third time in your history with an iconic moment. And then a few weeks later, he departs. Having said that as a player, he was a real Jekyll and Hyde figure in that he could be wonderful. He scored some great goals for us. He had some great assists. He could be high energy, powerful, wonderful, but he could also look very ordinary and fade out of games and sometimes had the turning ability of wardrobe And very little, very little pace. So he wasn't a fan's favourite prior to the winner at Wembley. He wasn't unpopular, but he was one of those classic players which we all have. You'd have a good game, a bad game, a couple of good games, and then a bad game. So I think the fans were disappointed rather than completely disgusted at his departure and not surprised. And to be honest with you, I think. Our best signing of the transfer window was probably Hernandez, in that we've kept him. And I think overall, whatever the additions had been at deadline day time, I think we're just happy that we've managed to hold on to some of our better players, the likes of uh, Hernandez, Andrew Robertson, uh, Curtis Davies, even who'd started the season very well, and I think there was a bit of interest there. So, first of all, yeah, pretty good deadline day. Secondly, there wasn't a sort of mass exodus from the KCOM, which many of us feared, given the circumstances both on and off the pitch.
1: Hmm. Uh, Another outgoing that uh, people from your last day in the Premier League will remember is Sone Oluko, although he never really seemed to be too much of a threat. What were your thoughts on his departure?
2: Yeah, uh... I think it was right that he left. Sonny Luco was, when he first arrived, played wonderfully for us and looked extremely good for a six-month period. He then had two significant injuries. I think one was an Achilles. And you could see, each time he came back from those injuries, that a bit of his confidence is gone. You see, with a lot of players, uh, who are basically entertainers who like to take players on if they lose that confidence to to attack defenders and move past them, then a lot of their game is lost, and that's what we saw with Aluko. He scored a few but not enough decent goals, but too often he would flatter to deceive in the classic style, and I think what he needs is a new challenge. At a slightly lower level, and we wish him well because he never let the club down in terms of effort. But I think he needs to sort of rekindle his career at a slightly lower grade, and uh, the move to Fulham I think will be good for, good for him. Mm. He'll he's joined up there with Tom Kearney, who's another ex-player of ours, who's shining brightly in the early part of the season for Fulham. I think he's got a couple of goals already. So uh, yeah, I wish him well, but. Disappointment again because he was popular for a long time, but I think most fans would say that was the right move because he's had enough ch- chances, and at the moment, Aluko, he's not quite a premiership player.
1: Fair enough. All right, well, with all of those moves in mind, you mentioned Abel Hernandez not leaving was your best deal, but of the players that have <laughs> come in, who was the best?
2: Yeah, of those that have come in, uh, it, it's difficult to say, isn't it, before they they played, but on the face of it, I have high hopes uh, for the Norwegian lad, um, Marcus Henriksen. Um, you, you sort of get an impression from videos and YouTube and things that you read and things that people tell you, and I'm highly hopeful that this young lad will really add something in an offensive sense to to how we play our our football. We are still, we were still, under Steve Bruce, a fairly defence-minded team. I think Mike Phelan, if he sticks around, he's going to be a lot braver, a lot more enterprising. He's going to give it a go with certain Premier League fixtures, whereas Steve Bruce would have sat back. And I think, you know, Henriksen is the sort of player who could well surprise a few and create a few chances for us and initiate or score a few goals. He is a big hope.
1: All right. And so now, with all of that taken care of, has this window changed your opinion of where you'll end the season? Do you think you'll be safe come the end of the year?
2: Yeah, I'm optimistic. I could see us just surviving. There are already three or four clubs in the Premier League who... I think we are better than. That's the best way that, as it stands at the moment. I mean, obviously, Sunderland have started poorly. And in our previous flirtations with the Premier League, when we've gone down, I think we've been a better side than Sunderland. And I think there's enough in the sort of, you know, sort of Burnley, Watford, uh, Swansea, even West Brom. And When I look at sides like that, I'm not saying we're a better side than them, but we are good enough to take points off them. And for that reason, I think we'll still struggle against, obviously against some of the bigger sides, but I think we'll accumulate enough points just to stay up this time. And I think the plus point is we have enough youth in the side where if we survived a season and kept most of them, we are some of the way to our long-term goal, which is to either establish ourselves in the Premier League or give ourselves a short stint there, rather than stay as the yo-yo side, which we currently are. Having said that, classically a club like Hull City sometimes needs to yo-yo a little bit as part of its development. And I can't stress enough as far as I'm concerned, you know, we've come a long, long way in a short time. And so if we were to stay up again, it would be a massive achievement in itself. Mm. And at the same time, if we went down, I think the sort of players we have, we have enough quality to bounce back again. But it's my hope that this time we can, you know, stick around for three or four seasons and uh, I think we a certain amount of quality and could surprise on occasions.
1: Fair enough. All right. Well, that does it for us, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you have anything you'd like to plug?
2: Uh, nothing to plug at the moment. Thank you. No, just uh, really the UK city of culture, 2017 is Hull, and uh, keep it, keep an eye out for anything to do with Hull in your, in your local media and in your national media.
1: Yeah. And they are at HCAFC tiger link on Twitter. All right. Thanks again. And I'm
2: sure we'll speak soon. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Kevin.